Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Thanks to Blossom and Root for supporting today's episode of Elevating Motherhood. Blossom and Root is a nature-based Charlotte Mason-inspired homeschool curriculum company that has been gently guiding and supporting families for years. This thoughtful, age-appropriate curriculum begins at the preschool level with options all the way up to fourth grade, with more grade levels being released each year. Blossom and Root is the homeschool curriculum my family uses and loves. The information and ideas are easy to follow, fun, and engaging. If you're new to homeschool or are simply looking for an inspired homeschool curriculum to help you lovingly teach and guide your children, I highly recommend Blossom and Root. Using this curriculum has brought so much connection and joy to my family's homeschool days. I love it. My kids love it. It, I think you might love it too. I have more information over on the website, elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. There's some great info about the curriculum there, as well as other helpful homeschool advice. Blossom and Root has generously offered a discount code for listeners of Elevating Motherhood. Use the code LORIBETH10, L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-1-0 at checkout for 10% off your order. Head over to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool for more information. Elevating Motherhood is coming to life over on Patreon. I am super stoked to let you know that I am over in the Patreon space, connecting with you and other incredible mamas. I love Patreon. It is such a great space where we can have deep dive conversations about today's podcast topic and every other topic discussed here on the show. I will also be hosting virtual classes once a month for moms. I love this whole concept of lifelong learning and learning all of these new skills and being curious and finding ways to improve my health and my home and my family and my connection to myself and other people. And these once a month classes are doing just that for me. And the best part is I get to do it with other moms like you. It is so fun to record these classes with you, gather all these information and all these resources and these amazing teachers and share them with you in the Patreon space. There are already multiple classes that are up and evergreen and available for you to watch anytime. And I hope you'll join me for July's class that goes live this Friday, July 24th, where we'll talk about and learn about fascia and its role in the body, as well as 10 life-changing fascia exercises that will help hydrate your fascia and positively affect your body. We are taking all of the awesome information we learned here on the show in episode 113 and bringing it to life because it's one thing to talk about these concepts and it's quite another to put them into action. So Greta Wyeth has agreed to join us and show us exactly what she talked about in episode 113 and then share all of these amazing exercises from her upcoming course about fascia with us 
in the group. It's amazing. And I know that just after recording the workshop, oh, I, I felt so good. My body felt good. And when she talks about hydrating the fascia, once I did those exercises, I get it. I felt it and it was awesome. So sign up this month to join our Patreon Curiosity Collective and be entered into the drawing as well. There are monthly drawings over in this space. It is so much fun and I love that I get to be generous and genuine over in that space as well. I just, I cannot get enough of it. If you do not know what Patreon is, go over to patreon.com forward slash elevating motherhood and check it out. There's all kinds of details that explain it in that space, patreon.com forward slash elevating motherhood. I'm super stoked to be in an ad free off social media, no distractions space to connect with you and other moms. It has already been so refreshing and life giving to be able to connect deeper with you all. I am so excited and I hope you'll join us in that space, patreon.com forward slash elevating motherhood. I'm sure I'm not the only one who is feeling ready for get-togethers and barbecues and celebrations with family and friends. I personally love celebrating and eating together as much as possible with other people, but I know that there's sometimes some trepidation when it comes to planning these kinds of events. Modern pressure tells us we need to host a Pinterest-worthy celebration and nothing less. And I think in our heart of hearts, we know that that's not true, but that doesn't always make the stress of party or meal prepping any easier. But Abby Turner of A Tabletop Affair is with us today to provide encouragement, help us understand why celebrating in community is so important and worthy of our time, and share ideas from her lovely new book, The Living Table. Abby Turner is a young professional who is single and loving life as a food blogger, speaker, and writer. Born into a large family, she grew up in central Arkansas, where she learned the importance of community and biblical hospitality at a young age. After completing undergraduate degrees at Washita Baptist University and obtaining her master's from Baylor, Abby lived in six states in five years, learning that community is essential to a healthy relationship with Christ. Over the last few years, Abby has spoken at colleges and universities, churches, companies, and has been featured on regional TV shows and podcasts. Abby's passion is to encourage women to stop wasting time waiting for the perfect family, house, or table, and to start opening their homes, cooking for friends, and building community. You can learn more about Abby and enjoy even more recipes by visiting her website at tabletopaffair.com, which I will link to in the show notes. Without further ado, let's welcome the hospitable Abby Turner to the show. Aloha, Abby. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I am so thrilled to be talking to someone in Hawaii. This is so cool. (laughs) It's um, pretty awesome living here. I'm not going to lie. And summertime is upon us now. And I'm feeling this. I want to start hosting things. I want to start like the summer barbecue stuff or like, let's do potlucks or let's do this. You know, I'm feeling that kind of energy from inside myself, but then also from friends too. And Oh, I'm thrilled to talk about hosting and hospitality and gatherings with you. But before we dive into all of that, I'd love for my listeners to get to know more about you in your own words. 
Yeah. So I'm Abby. I live in Northwest Arkansas and have two adorable Papillons, Baylor and Mowgli. And they are just the heartbeat of my life. I love them so much. And they have traveled with me everywhere. They have a little bag and they know exactly what it means when we say let's go. So they uh, are, are definitely a highlight of my life. My day job, I work at Walmart, so the headquarters are in Bentonville, Arkansas, so I work um, and have been in marketing there for a while. I started my career in sports marketing, and that's really where my passion for community and the table um, really kind of started. Um, I started a blog um, when I'm, after I moved to Northwest Arkansas called A Tabletop Affair, and really it was driven by this um, desire to draw closer to people. Um, when I was in sports marketing, I would travel and we would be in a different state in a different school every year. I worked in college athletics. And so um, that just means the nature of the job is you're at a different school every year. And in doing that, you get to rebuild your community. Nobody's the same year over year. And so you really have to learn the skill of building community and what that looks like and how to invest in people and be intentional um, with mm-hmm. your with your church and be intentional with um, different places you go and the, and be being consistent, frankly. Uh, so I, I really learned kind of this uh, the purpose of the table and how God kind of centers us around this space. And he created the table for us to gather and to go deeper and become more intimate with people. And so um, when I moved to Northwest Arkansas, I decided that I was going to kind of play it myself for a minute and have been here now for six years. I joke, it's the longest place I've ever lived outside of growing up at my at my home with my parents. Wow. So it really has become like my home. And so I started a tabletop affair and really started with recipes. And then it really evolved itself into, wow, I could, I could really start sharing my heart around the table and the purpose of that. Uh, I think that the cultural stigma around hosting and gathering and entertaining has become Pinterest perfect and Instagram worthy. And it has to look a certain way and it has to be just kind of this, um, you know, we put this pride into it, which, you know, in some ways um, is not a bad thing, but the heart behind hosting and the heart behind biblical hospitality is to serve others and to invite strangers in and to love them um, without the stigma of perfection. And so uh, it it has been a really fun uh, thing to navigate um, on social media because everything on social media needs to look, your feed just needs to look perfect. And so uh, really helping people break down that stigma and saying, Hey, uh, these recipes are easy. We need to lean into our grocery stores who are doing a lot of the work for us. The technology and food is just skyrocketing right now. Um, just how fresh frozen food, how, how great, um, just shelf stable food can be now. Um, and really leaning into that. Not everything has to start from scratch. We don't need to spend hours preparing food. Um, it can be, you know, just a quick bite with some friends. And that can sometimes build a deeper connection than some of our big um, parties, anniversaries, holidays, gatherings can can do. Wow. What a wild <laughs> and wonderful road that led you to talking about this. And it makes sense when you first started talking about sports marketing, and I understand the whole college 
thing. I worked for a college for a couple of years, um, a long time ago, but I remember the athletic department and, and all of that. And just when you're talking about that in the sports community, and then you fast forward to this book, I didn't quite see the progression at first. And now I do, I almost want to lean into you and talk more yeah. about like an investing in people and being intentional as a way of making friends because you have to, Oh, I'm so curious. Or would you describe yourself as an extrovert or an introvert? Yeah, I'm definitely an extrovert. I need to, I'm one of those like extra introverts that needs to be by herself to yeah. kind of calm down and re regroup and get that energy back, but definitely love being around people. Um, I am more of a small group person than a mm. large group. So concerts, big weddings, big parties like that really throw me off. Um, I think that I'm trying to like watch everything and, and identify everything and try to really understand my surroundings when it's like small groups. It's now I just need to get to know the people. Yeah. I like that. I hear that. I love that too, because you're, I'm the same way. I'm an extrovert. I get a lot of energy from being around other people, but then in the same breath, I, I mean, you know, from writing a book, right. You can't exactly be out at a party and writing a book. It's a lot of, um, quiet by yourself work yeah. for sure. And I, oh, man, I'd have to think about whether or not I like crowds or not. I think I'm out of practice. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the truth. Oh, I went to, I went to a concert a couple weeks ago and it was a small, it was a small concert, like, you know, little in a restaurant type thing. And I was so fascinated by the music. I couldn't get over like, Oh my gosh, watch that drummer. He's like really leading the band. I I've never seen a drummer that leads the band. And I just like talking to my friends, like, Whoa, we need to back up and just enjoy the atmosphere. Like you are trying to dissect every little thing. And it's like, I'm out of practice. Yeah. <laughs> been to one of these things in so long. Oh my gosh. How, how fun though, man. Yeah. Oh, so fun. And getting together with friends, it just feels good. And I think a lot of us are really ready in regards to your book. I'm super curious before we get into hosting and all that. Cause then I would just, that would just, we'd never get back to your book. <laughs> it, it's described as a cookbook and a devotional. And I was wondering if you could paint a picture for us of what that looks like and share a bit about why you're combining these two thoughts and purposes with your book. Yeah. So I called it the living table because I, I am a firm believer and have witnessed and experienced the life that God can bring um, the relationships that God can cultivate around a table and do not feel like we should ever look at the table as just kind of this dead object in our house. It needs to be life-giving. It needs to be living and breathing vessel that we bring people to on a very consistent basis. Um, And so as I'm looking at trying to figure out how do I want to bring people into the table, encourage people to sit at the table, but also not be intimidated by recipes Um, the recipes are all very quick and easy, 60 or 30 minute, like one pot. Most of them are anyway. And so I'm trying to think how, if I were intimidated by cooking or hosting or entertaining, showing hospitality, how would I want a cookbook to be set up? Well, I need it very prescriptive, right? And so the book is set up by six different tables that we see throughout scripture that, um, Jesus, that different, um, you know, people throughout the different stories throughout scripture, um, have shown us. So the table that serves the table that welcomes the table that celebrates. And 
So every section, every table has its own devotional. And I dive into different ways that we can learn to show hospitality through these stories. And I leave just kind of some food for thought, no pun intended, um, some food (laughs) for thought at the end of every devotional of like, how can we celebrate people? Who can you celebrate? Um, And then I break it up into different moments. So the book is recipes and devotions for the everyday get together. And so those are little moments of life that sometimes we just need inspiration around why to have people over. Um, If it's not like a formal dinner or a Friendsgiving or Valentine's or birthday, why do we have people over? Is it a pool party? You said barbecue earlier. Like, I love that. Um, Is it a game night? Have a game night. And these are recipes to make. Sometimes cookbooks can be daunting because you look and you open it like, where do I start for this? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to make. And so this way, you know, you're having a game night. Great. Go to that section, pick one of the five recipes and make it and it'll be perfect for your group. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I actually really appreciate having a really solid and meaningful why behind all the gatherings and, and that hosting, when you said earlier that hosting really is an act of service. Um, it's so interesting because I was raised with the understanding that service was very important. It's very important to serve others. And then kind of when I went off as a grown up and was trying to figure out life service was seen or presented to me in a lot of ways as servitude like servants rather than serving other people. And I thought, you know, that's just, that's not quite it. And so I've always had a service heart because I was raised that way. I worked as a personal assistant for almost 10 years and that is very service heart job. And I loved it because it aligned with who I was and I felt like I was good at it and motivated to do it because my heart behind it was I'm here to serve this family, not as their servant, but because I love them and I'm trying to make their life easier. And and why wouldn't I do that? What a wonderful opportunity. And then to get paid for that, come on. It's brilliant. It was wonderful. Um, And so serving other people, I love that you're talking about it in context that applies to all of us. So it isn't that servitude. It really is serving others. And then celebrating people is so important too. Um, My husband, I make a big deal about birthday celebrations and all of that. And at one point in our relationship, he even commented, you know, I just, I feel really celebrated and that feels really good. And I didn't realize that maybe that was something that was missing from my life. And I just feel really appreciated and really celebrated. And, and I know it meant a lot to him. I just assumed that that's what you did. You know, you just celebrated people. It's your birthday or like, good for you. This is an accomplishment. And, and before you know it, it feels like you're celebrating all the time. You know, if you're celebrating the small wins and all of that, but I don't see what's wrong with that, you know? And I think that it's important, um, that we, walk through life with our community, with our tribe. I mean, look at the first thing that Jesus did when he started his ministry. He found his 12 people and they did everything together. They lived every, every day get together. So they lived those everyday moments together. And so I think that that includes celebrating, that includes serving, that includes, I mean, just those, you know, the highs and the lows. And you can't expect your tribe or your community to love you and serve you through all of life's moments, unless you let them in Mm -hmm. and seek all of life's moments. Mm -hmm. And also having these constant celebrations too, because ups and downs are normal, right? You know, count it all joy at the end of the day. And, 
and really see this as as normal. And if you're throwing in celebrations in there as well and celebrating the highs, it actually, I think, personally helps us get out of those lows, helps us move on, helps us forgive right. because, you know, those those 12 people or the people that are around you are not without fault or <laughs> arguments yeah. or disagreements or hurt feelings or anything like that. And it's not sweeping it under the rug. It, it's It's taking action toward forgiveness and moving on and, and riding those waves together and at a table with a meal, it's totally doable. Yeah. And it, and it can be easy. And I think that culturally we have been told that it's hard or that it has to be perfect or that it has to be some magnificent event and you Mm -hmm. can enjoy doing that and do that. Um, but it doesn't always have to be that way. Um, I think you know, when we celebrate people, it's really about the heart behind it and that excitement or that joy or just like lifting each other up, that mm-hmm. encouragement that comes from celebration um, that I think we can all we can all agree when you celebrate someone else, you get blessing in that as well. Oh, like yeah. you almost you almost feel it maybe more than they do. Um, and I think that that's how God created us to be like loving and serving and celebrating and, and building each other up mm-hmm. in turn builds us up. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it feels really countercultural right now to say that because yeah, you're right. This messaging of celebrating or hosting a birthday party for your kid or doing anything like that comes with this Pinterest perfect pressure, this sense of obligation, like, oh, I have to go to this birthday party. I have to do this. I have to do that. I cannot tell you how many memes there are out there of like, what would you rather do? You know, like yeah. cut off all your hair or go to a ki- every kid's birthday party you're invited to. And I'm like, oh man, I think y'all are missing the point <laughs> a little bit. Oh, for sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it can, it can be so, um, you know, the culture tells us that it has to be all about us and yeah, me, me, yeah. me. And that selfish um, mentality can really be the thief of joy. Um, and I think, you know, putting, putting the, putting the um, just priority on other people really helps us shift that mindset. Mm-hmm. And ironically, it helps you get to know yourself better too, because you're spending time with other people. You're talking things out. You're getting to know things about yourself too. And just, yeah, I'm ready to ditch all of this motherhood culture stuff that says that basically all of it, including parties and celebrations and dinners and meals, it's a chore. It's an obligation. It's hard. It has to be perfect or it's not even worth doing. And it, those thoughts are disempowering and really paralyzing. And like you said, they're, they are the thief of joy for sure. And then our kids pick up on that too, which I think is really, really too bad, man. There's so many thoughts. I'm wondering um, your thoughts on hospitality these days. And if you feel like, you know, with all these messages that we're bombarded with and and the Pinterest perfect pressure, um, if it really comes naturally to people like actual hospitality and hosting, or, you know, do you feel like it's something that's really popular or something that's like taught to us or used to be taught to us and isn't so much anymore? Yeah. I think that there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I, I, don't think that it is a muscle that we are using currently um, as a culture. I think that mm-hmm. um, HGTV, Food Network, Instagram, 
um, we have kind of idolized some hoster hosting greats and said, if you can't do it like them, you can't do it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if you look back, maybe it was 50 years now, it's like 75 years ago, um, in like the forties and the fifties, mom was at home. Mom was daily in, you know, showing her kids what, being in the kitchen, what inviting people over, you still had that Sunday afternoon lunch with friends. Um, and, and that the dinner table was still the dinner table and you had, uh, kind of a moment there. Um, and then as mom went to the workforce, you started have having kids feed themselves in the afternoon. Everyone got busier with extracurricular activities. You know, I have a lot of friends. I have kids that are like, we do travel ball every single night of the entire week. And when do I, when do I have time for dinner? Um, so I think that priority, uh, went to building kids up in other ways, um, which is fantastic. Um, but when we build, when we choose to prioritize other things, other things have to be sacrificed. I think the table was sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you look at that and you see that in just how homes are being constructed now. We have lost the the dining room table room. Like we no longer have that dining room. We we have taken out those walls. We've created open concepts. Everything just flows together so that we can have screen time and table time at the same time. And that is taking away the purpose of what the table is. That is taking away that um, when we gather at the table, we need to be intimately connected in conversation. Um, So I think that with that, we have, you know, like my, so like my mom's generation, they grew up learning it, but then somewhere along the line, kids activities or the busyness of life became the the important part of life. And we just kind of lost that art of entertaining that, mm-hmm. that art of hospitality. Um, and then we had Pinterest come back around and say, Hey, no, hosting and entertaining can be fun. Look at how much money you can throw at a party. I mean, I look at what, 20 years ago, we had the sweet 16 birthday show on MTV. And it was like, look at how extravagant your parties can be. And everyone needed an extravagant party. And then that was like, okay, well, if you can't have that party, then I don't want to party at all. And now it's coming back around of like, no, I want to, I really need to connect with people. I'm missing a connection. And I think that in the last year, year and a half, the enemy has like kind of worked overtime in isolating us and saying, no, you don't need to be connected with people. Sit at your house. Don't, don't worry about, you know, your heart or your mind. Like you just need to be alone. And it's like, no, we need to use this time now to reclaim that table and to say, Hey, we're sit, we're going to make this a priority. We're going to sit there. I think there is a ton of um, psychology around the importance of the table with children mm-hmm. And that if kids eat, um, there's a statistic, if kids eat at the table um, five meals a week, so five out of 21 meals a week, if they eat it at the table, then they are um, better performing in school. They have less anger mm. issues. They are more cognitive. Um, they, their cognitive function increases. Uh, their communication skills are better. They perform better. So, and then there's also a statistic about girls that if they eat at the table seven times, so one meal every day, if they eat them that or eat one meal at the table every day, they are 98% less likely to struggle with an eating disorder. 
Now, you could almost eradicate eating disorders in females if we would sit at the table once a day. I mean, how important could the table play in a part? Could the table play in our lives if we mm-hmm. would just remember how important it is? And I think that you see that through scripture and you see how important the, the table and that's where Jesus did the majority of his ministry. But um, yeah, I think that uh, the the art of hospitality is coming back around. People are starting to see how oh, there might be something to this. Mm-hmm. My grandmother had like, there was something there and we just lost it because of the busyness of life. But isn't that true with everything? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have busyness. It can often be the thief of joy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, man, it takes it from us. Oh, for sure. And then it just feels like you're filling your day in with what? Oh, it's so hard. We have more of an opt out lifestyle Um, in our house. We work from home. We work for ourselves. We homeschool our children. Um, You know, we fill our days with things that we want. I get told all the time that I'm busy. I seem really, really, really super busy. And I suppose I am, but I want my miniature goats. I want my fancy chickens. You know, I want, (laughs) I want to be around my kids. I want to do all of these things. Also, that doesn't mean we're together and happy 24 seven, you know, we're doing all the things and we're five different people with, you know, five very different tastes and every area of life and including food and trying to navigate that three times a day. It's a lot of pressure. I'll tell you as a mom and then throw some like first trimester nausea in there and you're not wanting to eat as everyone else around you is like, can you make us food? And I'm like, oh. And then seasons like that come into your life and, and, you know, things look different in, in that season and how no, praise be we're in a different season, you know, with this trimester. And I feel a little more like, yeah, let's make things together. Let's do things together. And I'm just coming off the, the high of my husband's birthday and baking a cake for him. You know, it was, it was part from scratch. All the icing was from scratch, but then also the cake was a box mix, you know, just trying to find the balance between the two, like you were talking about earlier. And I know as moms, we feel a lot of pressure and I get the sense that some people are going to be listening to this episode and being like, oh, I'm bringing all kinds of things to the table. You know, I'm bringing in like this, this hesitancy of like, well, yeah, women can work and they can do these things. And of course things are going to look different and all of that. And I would want to put it out there and encourage people who, who prickled a little bit at the notion of like, yeah, this is the way things used to be. And it felt important and all of that to kind of soften um, the perspective and see the table as an opportunity. So if you are feeling like you're too busy, if you're tired of wearing the badge of honor, that is busyness in our modern motherhood, if you're looking for something different, if you know that your family is stressed or that you need to connect with other people, or you see your one child and realize like, Hey, they need to hang out with friends more, there is an opportunity in the table and sitting down and gathering as a small gathering, as a celebration, as, as some way to that's easy and doable. You know, we can shift our mindsets from the obligation and the, the chore and the hardness of it all and see the table as an opportunity. I say all of this also because our lifestyle is so different. We have lots of opportunities to connect with one another. And I know that some of my listeners have heard me say on the podcast that sitting down to dinner together isn't necessarily a priority for us, which also seems like a shame because there's some people going to be listening to this on the man and being like, you can eat outside every day of the year. Like, why would you not do that? Why would you not do that? And the truth is like our, our life is full 
too. And we fill it with things and we have work and school and all of that. Um, and so sometimes we decompress at the end of the day and we watch a documentary together. The kids are technically at a table and we're, you know, doing that. And it's so funny because, you know, you talked about converting rooms too. our dining room is now our music room. It's not, not a dining room anymore, but we do have a couple of tables to choose from and we aren't really using them for those purposes. So we're talking about this. You're encouraging us to do that. You're giving us the whys behind it, which is inspiring my heart to want to do that a little bit more. We could go outside and have breakfast or we could eat at our island. We have lots of tables, if you will, quote unquote, to gather at if we really wanted to. And we do. So what if I started working that into my routine? This is me processing this out loud of like, I want to do this. I hear you're wise. I have three daughters. It's very important to me to mitigate the, um, the societal effects and encouragement of eating disorders and things like that. So I hear that. Well, what if we started having our lunch outside? What if that became the priority? Um, there's so many opportunities. So I'm hearing what it is you say. I know that I'm not doing it hundred percent, but I'm also bringing it in from time to time, like with the birthday celebration this week with, um, friends coming over today and I can serve them food. So, Oh, I'm, I guess I'm just trying to sort it all out because I know that sometimes gathering around the table and I'm, we're hearing you, we're hearing all this like Pinterest perfection stuff and trying to let go of it. And then there's also all this mom guilt that comes to the table from society saying like, well, if you're not eating at the table every night at dinner at 5 p.m., you're doing it wrong. You know, if your celebrations don't look a certain way, you're doing it wrong. And I just want to encourage people to drop that. And, and look at this in a different way as an opportunity and understand that there are powerful whys behind this opportunity too. I don't think that we need to go zero to a hundred overnight, yeah. right? We need to have grace and self-compassion and say, hey, we are doing the best we can. And if that means that you start integrating the table or integrating celebrations or integrating things where you are connecting with your family in a deeper way or your friends or your community in a deeper way, one little thing at a time. Um, you can't just go out and run the marathon tomorrow. You have to put on your shoes. You have to buy the right shoes, which means, hey, start by just cleaning off the table. Start by you know prepping your heart for, God, what does it look like to invite people over? What does it look like to serve my family in a different way than we currently are or to de-stress, declutter, um, remove some of the busyness? And, you know, then slowly it, but surely you will get there. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. th those things will become easier. Your heart um, and your time will, will begin to, to shift um, as you learn that what that discipline of hospitality, that discipline of serving others kind of looks like mm -hmm. in, Ooh, in your stage of life. That. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that because I, I have this sense that I need a little more discipline in my life, whatever that looks like. I, I get that sense. And so when you talked about discipline in hospitality, oh man, talk with us about this. I want to know how that fits in. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that there is it, hospitality is definitely a spiritual gift. I think some people, it just comes more naturally too. But I think that I really strongly believe hospitality is also a discipline that we need to cultivate in order to go, go deeper with Christ and to serve others better. Um, you know, Paul writes um, in some of his letters, we need to be imitators of Christ. And in order to imitate Jesus, we need to serve people and 
like I said, the majority of his ministry was done around a, a meal or around a table. Mm-hmm. And a couple of those meals were potluck meals, um, feeding of the 5,000. I mean, he he relied on other people to bring the food and he just, you know, brought the conversation. So if that's what you can do, make it a potluck and bring the conversation and grow, go deeper with your friends. Um, but it is a discipline. It is something that is cultivated. And if it does not come easy to you or it stresses you out to have people at your home, or uh, if it stresses you out to have your family around the table, um, because you're not good at food or you're not good, you know, I would say that like with any discipline, you've got to take the first step in figuring out um, what it looks like for you. And it's going to look different for all of us. Um, But the easiest first step is to clear off the table, make sure your soccer shoes aren't on there, make sure your bills or your laundry aren't on there um, so that you can prepare your heart to be in that kind of posture of, okay, I'm going to learn this skill. I'm going to, I'm going to teach myself this or Lord help, help me (laughs) teach Mm -hmm. myself this. Um, and if it means start with a Domino's pizza, let's start with a Domino's pizza. Let's just get to the table. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. Um, and one of my tables, my, my kitchen table is absolutely covered with stuff right now. And it is something that I wanted to do, but we also have the outside tables. So that, that's always yeah. been my justification for that. And then we also have the kitchen island. So then we just kind of gather around that and, you have totally motivated me to clean off my table. Just so you know, I really <laughs> like my, my table's a mess and I hear that and, and I'm really overcome and excited about the first step in that discipline. Cause it's not just enough for me to sit over here and say, Hey, I, I think I need to work on discipline. What does this look like? And always, always, always when we feel this calling or urge inside of ourselves to do something and we're not sure what it looks like, the doable answer presents itself. And yeah. so instead of me seeing this de-stressing decluttering of my kitchen table as a chore, as an obligation, as something that I just don't want to do, which is all true. <laughs> but I sense that there is a need for difference. And as the mom, I feel like I'm it's okay for me to lead the way and to set that example for my family and my kids and to keep that space clear for an opportunity for us to connect with friends, with family. And then it's not, you know, friends coming over and being like, well, where can I sit? You know, the kitchen table yeah. just feels natural. I go over to my girlfriend's house and the first thing I do is pull out one of her beautiful blue chairs and sit in it and be like, ah. Yeah. Great. And you know that you're welcome there and that that's a great and safe, you know, like what furniture do you sit on? What furniture do you yeah. know? Um, it, you can just sit there and you know that you're probably welcome in that space and it just feels good. Well, and your whole house doesn't have to be perfect or clean. Right. Like, I mean, invite people into the mess. I, I, there's one question that everybody always asks when my house is perfectly clean, when my when the dishes are out of the sink, when all the pillows are on the couch perfectly, they say, hey, do you have a coaster? And it's like, guys, no, this is my house is your house. Feel homey. But when yeah. things are kind of in disarray and you know, I, I don't have any kids. I have two dogs, but when things are in disarray here and they can get in disarray fast, um, they never ask about a coaster. They just put their cup wherever. And I think that that is, isn't that so true about people when things feel perfect, we feel like we have to assume the perfection. We have to be perfect back. But when, 
when we invite people into kind of the vulnerability, when we invite our family to the table and just, hey, it's not perfect. It's just dinner. Let's eat together. Like there's kind of this openness, this intimacy that's formed, that connection um, is is unreal. It's kind of, you, you can't match it. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot too when I have people over. In fact, just last week, one of my girlfriends said to me, I love coming over to your house because I think, you know, so many things in your life seem so perfect and pulled together. And then I come to your house and I see your clutter and I see, you know, that things aren't all picked up. And and I love it because it makes me realize that you're just, you know, right. like the rest of us. And I'm like, yeah, we're all like that. You know, our perception of things isn't always necessarily the whole story. And so when you're yeah. seeing these perfect pins, that ins- that inspire you or or drive you crazy you know it's you, you are bringing yourself to the table your interpretation of that your perspective and if we could just let go of some of that false perspective of oh she's perfect her life must be so perfect no no i have first trimester stuff like the rest of you i have a lot of kids we live and work here it looks like yeah. we live and work here you know we have right. animals chickens walk in my kitchen you know like yeah. it's, it's crazy town. And, and that's what it's like, but it's good. It's good for me. And, and if we just give ourselves space to do what's good for us and our family, and then also give other people space to do what's good for them and their family and realize that we're, none of us are actually trying to align with this like imperfect, perfect standard and a way to do that, a way to normalize that and like bring that into your life in action is to gather around the table with those people. Uh Right. I, um, on Sunday nights, I do a Sunday supper club on my Instagram and And I I usually do like a (laughs) recipe and I was doing a recipe this past week and I, in the middle of the Instagram live, I knock over my water. The water goes everywhere on my floor. Don't worry. I am standing in water the entire time I'm filming this, (laughs) but did I like, like get freaked out? No, I just kind of said, Oh, mm." just dropped all my water and I continued to talk about it through the through the Instagram live but at the very end I said okay so on my feed you're going to see this like perfectly curated picture of the Mediterranean orzo that we just made mm-hmm. this is actually what mine looks like on my plate if yours looks like this you're doing it right like yeah. this is how I eat now it looks like because my feed is compositionally you know perfect Stunning. or whatever Stunning. you want to say um <laughs> like it, it, but that's not real life. And I think yeah. that we can get so overwhelmed by what Pinterest looks like, what those pins inspire us to do. And then, then we try to do it. And it's like, oh, it's a Pinterest fail. No, that picture took me an hour to take because of all of the nitpicking of all of the little orzo pieces need to be in the right place and the peppers and you just kind of have to place it. And so know that a lot of work goes into the pictures you see and that's not real life. Mm-hmm. And I got so much, I got so many DMs, so much feedback about like, thank you for showing us what your plate looked like because that gave me grace on what my plate looked like. Mm-hmm. And isn't that so true? Like mm-hmm. we just need to give ourselves some grace mm-hmm. and kind of back off and say, look, it is not about perfection. It is about the people. And we have got to focus on 
gathering with people. Our soul needs it. Mm-hmm. Our brainwaves, like our neuron pathways actually form greater bonds with each other when we're talking to people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is so important. We can't lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How I have found grace personally with Pinterest and all these beautiful pictures. <laughs> I love your feed. I think it's so beautiful. The grace that I have learned to show up with is seeing those as inspiration and not an expectation. Oh, that's I good. want to be inspired by these pictures. I want to look at that and be like, mm, mm-hmm, yep. Sold on that. Do I have the ingredients <laughs> all but one? Yep. Making it anyway, you know, <laughs> just, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I don't see it as a point of comparison anymore. I don't see it as perfection or the thing that I'm aiming for. I'm seeing it as inspiration. And when I give myself that grace and also give these food bloggers grace too, and know that this is their art form. This is their passion. This is what they are sharing with other people and they're showing up. I'm not going to ask them to doll their stuff just to make me feel better. I don't want that. I want the inspiration. And, you know, does that look good? Does it not? Okay. All right. Moving on, you know, (laughs) and you find your people, you find your inspiration people. And if, if you ever, if I ever find myself, comparing, then I'll be like, Oh, okay. All right. There's obviously something there. I could either do the work or I could just not follow them. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That comparison, it'll get you every time. Won't it? Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I don't think any of us are immune to it really, no matter how successful you are, there's stuff that creeps in because we're all human again at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, how do you see everyday gatherings as different than holiday gatherings? You know, in I'm wondering things like frequency and then what you serve and and things like that. Yeah, so I look at everyday gatherings as kind of like everyday moments. It's just kind of on a Tuesday night, I want to be around people. Um, yeah. For me, now I'm going to speak from like a singles perspective. I if I find myself sitting in a moment where I am hearing this self-doubt, where I'm hearing this, hey, you're not good enough. You're sitting here and you should be ashamed of who you are. And, you know, kind of all of the lies the enemy likes to tell you. Um, Mm -hmm. That is, I mean, the red flag that says you need to go be around people. You need to get out. You need to go have some conversations and build your tribe. And so that is kind of my red flag. I think that, you know, it looks different for every phase of life. It looks different for different, um, you know, whatever your family kind of looks like. But I will say that everyday get togethers are inviting people into your everyday moments. Mm -hmm. So if you had a, a, a cruddy Tuesday, or if you, if it's beautiful outside on a Sunday, invite somebody over. It is just kind of that reminder of, Hey, we are meant to do life with people. Mm-hmm. We are not meant to do life alone. Um, the big anniversaries, the holidays, the big Friendsgiving gatherings, those are huge celebrations. Those should be celebrated. Those are things where, you know, you can up the, up the ante just a little bit um, that if you want to go all out with a theme, like do it, mm-hmm. use that space to have fun and gather and, throw a big shebang. But the everyday moments are more about just kind of that building that intimacy. And I think that sometimes we can have more of a connection in those everyday moments than we can the big parties. Um, The conversations, the connections, the brokenness that is that is brought to the table to say, hey, I am really not doing well right now. I need 
prayer. I need help. I need encouragement. Those everyday moments keep us accountable to our tribe that like, hey, I I, I need you to show up for me right now. Or mm-hmm. how can I show up for you? Asking, asking the opposite, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so I like to think about it as like, what are those red flags in your life that say, hey, I don't need to be doing this alone. Um, mm-hmm. I have uh, one of my best friends has three boys under eight and she is always busy and always going from one baseball practice to a, a hockey practice to one thing after another. And I find myself, instead of inviting her into my space, I invite myself with food over into her space yes. because I know that that is how I can best serve her in the space that she's in. Now, she also knows that there was a Friday night a couple of weeks ago where I was going on a big date and I was like, I don't know what to wear. And she came into my space to mm-hmm. be my tribe, to, yeah. to show up for me at that point. And so I think that, you know, it's like, where are those red flags where you need people in your life? Yeah, I love that turning these emotions and thoughts into signals that we're paying attention to. I just think it's part of being a holistic person and and knowing that those happen and that they happen to all of us and that that isn't the everyday all day um, emotion. And if it is, you know, we, we need to be seeing that as a signal yeah. that something yeah. needs to change. If it's just even a passing thought, sending a text to a person and just, you know, realizing like, Hey, let's get together. Let's connect. And when people reach out to you too, knowing that that's a signal, you know, like, Hey, they yeah. might need some connection and how we can, we can do that. And I was thinking of your friend when you were telling that story and I thought, Oh my gosh, probably the best way to, to get in touch with her and to be with her face to face is to bring that pizza to the yep. end of the practice and be the the hero auntie, right? You know, yep. saving dinner and all that. <laughs> and you get to have like, oh yeah. man, a tailgate, if you will, basically yeah. with pizza party with the three boys and your friend. That to me sounds magical. If any of my friends well, want to do and- that. <laughs> Well, I mean, but I even, not only do I find joy in serving her in that way, but I am so blessed by her three kids. I am always so blessed by children. Mm. There is something at the way children run up to you and hug you and they just, ah, for a single person living alone without physical connection, like sometimes children can just you know, make you oh, feel give so it to good you. about yourself. <laughs> they make you feel so good about yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Our aunties are really important to my kids, for sure. Even the uncles yeah. over here. Auntie and uncle is like a really common thing to say um, yeah. about adults. And yeah, they love it. And and they appreciate how their aunties show up for them and the things that they do. And there's not a single snack, you know, at play date or after a class or anything like that, that is really taken for granted, even by the kids, like they see it and love it. And they, they just feel so loved. In fact, I was over at my girlfriend's house yesterday, and she was cutting up avocado. We had just gotten these dreamy avocados from the farmer's market and she really wanted one. That's my one random kid. Don't think that all my other kids are like, I would like the organic avocado. No, that is not. It's just the one. (laughs) It's just the one. She happened to want that. And her auntie was cutting it and she just stood there at the cutting board, just looking up at her with such adoration and appreciation for her preparing that for her. And yeah, you're right. I I don't want to miss out on those moments. And, um, Oh gosh, I just love it. I've seen her kids do the same thing to me the day I brought over the the decent watermelon, which is hard to find here. I hope it's easier for you in Arkansas. 
but yeah, we she, do. We do have some better, but some really good watermelon in Arkansas. <laughs> oh man, please bring some to Maui. Oh my gosh, but it is the little things. It's the little things, and just oh, I love that. I'm I'm so into that now. I want to figure out how to bring pizza to a friend, or like figure out how we can have pizza together and all of this wildness. I know that for a lot of moms, hosting with children can feel like a lot of work, but I do think it's really important that we model hosting for them. You know, the the good, the bad, the messy, the, oh my gosh, sweep the floors. They're coming in five minutes, you know, all of that for them. And I'm trying to break away from that. This is too stressful. This is too much sort of mentality. Um, Do you have any insight for us that could help us shift our perspective from like, it's too stressful. I can't do it too. This is actually really fun. I mean, I feel like you've given us so much already, but. Yeah. I think that when you think about inviting people over, um, it, you need to be thinking about the people, um, and thinking about what do you enjoy doing with people? Do you enjoy streamers and putting them up everywhere? My sister loves streamers. That's when we just threw a first birthday party for her, mm-hmm. uh, for her little daughter. And she was like, streamers everywhere. And we were <laughs> like, what does that have to do with anything? And she's like, I just feel like we need streamers. Aww. And, and it was like, okay, but let's think about the time and the effort streamers take and what is the purpose. And then we have to tear them all down. And she was like, Oh yeah, you're so right. Let's just do, let's just blow up some balloons. And it was like, because it's not about all of this preparation. It's not about all of this. Like, I mean, Instagram worthy, like real that you're going to put up about your party. It's about how much fun did you have with the people? And I think that if we can keep the people at the forefront of our minds, when we're thinking about parties, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to, you're going to enjoy the party more. It's going to be more memorable. You are going to want to recreate that moment over and over again, because when we get people together and it's truly about the people, our soul mm-hmm. is like filled with so much goodness that it's like, okay, I need to do that again. Mm-hmm. I am bursting right now. I'm already <laughs> like, okay, I want to do a bagel bar. I want it like, just because anytime I do that for my girlfriends, you know, in the past and just spread it all out for everybody to do their own thing and heat them up. And, and they yeah. just, they just go bonkers over this and feel so loved and nourished and yeah. I don't think it's necessarily about the bagels. It's just no. about being together and eating, eating delicious food and, and just having that conversation. And I think that nourishment is so important. Do you think that putting people first is really, truly the, the hallmark of a good host? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think that it is. I mean, when you look at the story of Mary and Martha, um, as like the Queens of hospitality, right. in in scripture, um, Mary was sitting with Jesus and Martha was worried about what it looked like or what it was going to taste like or how perfect, whatever it was, mm-hmm. Jesus kind of looked at her and said, stop worrying about it. Come, come sit with your people. And when, if we're to take that and to implement that in our own lives, I think that, you know, the lesson we can learn is that it's not about what your kitchen looks like, what your house looks like, how perfect the food spread is. I think that, I think food is the natural conduit to get people together. I think that mm-hmm. anytime you say food's going to be there, people are like, okay, sign me up. I can eat. And uh, but, <laughs> right. But I think that the lesson we can learn is that we need to focus on the people um, because it's those heart connections. And that's what I was saying, like with the everyday get togethers on a Tuesday or a Thursday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon, like that's when like deep, those deep conversations can come sometimes like 
come out of the blue and be like, wow, we really went somewhere with each other today. Um, And it doesn't have to be some perfectly curated party. It can just be a dinner or an afternoon snack or a pool party, barbecue, whatever you want to do. That encouragement, man, can can really go deep. And so I, I do think it's about people. Mm-hmm. Even with things like potlucks, just to take the stigma out of potlucks, because I know it's like a love hate thing for a lot of people, potlucks. I have always loved potlucks because I assume, well, and I could be wrong, but that <laughs> people want to be a part of it. They want to contribute. How many times do I get asked, what can I bring? What can I bring? Yeah. Well, if you just set it up for, yeah, bring something and they love it. And it's not a comparison thing. It's just like a, Hey, I, I brought something I contributed. It doesn't have to feel like a chore. It can be like, this is a gift for, for the people that I love. And that feels really important. Yeah, I have a I have a friend that uses hashtag delegate the decor. And so oh, I decided what? to like partner with her and go, okay, now if you're gonna delegate the decor, I'm gonna make it a potluck. So we're just <laughs> all gonna we're all gonna bring our own things. So I just I love that mentality that we're getting into of like mm-hmm. make it a potluck. I mean, yeah, feeding the five thousand, definitely the first potluck ever is Jesus's idea. Um, but I think that if you if you do put the onus back on people, they have kind of like skin in the game. They want to come. Yeah. They want to be a part. Uh, they they open up. And I, I think that, that it, it's a really special thing when you allow people to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. And I'd love seeing what people make too. I just do. I Not as a like, oh, you're such a talented chef, you know, it just a like, wow, you put so much thought into that. Thank you so much. And then even the people who bring chips and salsa, thank you for that. Cause that might be all yeah. the kids eat at the party. <laughs> yeah. So I had really quick story about a potluck. So I was going over to a friend's house and she was like, Hey, I'm having a couple couples over. Everybody's bringing an appetizer and we're just going to have like apps and drinks. And I was like, perfect. And so I made an app and my friend is sitting there with me and she is talking to the girl that made the dish she's eating. She goes, let me tell you this tofu salad is so good. And my friend looked at her and was like, what did you say I just made? And she was like, tofu salad. She goes, definitely caprese. That is mozzarella. It's not tofu. (laughs) So it's like, man, you know what? Enjoy it. Love it. I, I, you know, and I just love that. Like we, we want to enjoy each other's food and we want to enjoy each other's company and have fun with it. And man, I, I love potlucks because you never know what's going to show up. Oh my gosh. And once upon a time at our potluck, I love, I'd say so many potluck stories and how funny anytime anyone brings a caprese, you'd be like, Ooh, I just enjoy this tofu salad and becomes this <laughs> awesome running joke that you can probably incorporate into some game night stuff. You know, <laughs> um, once upon a time at our potluck, someone brought venison stew and the guy, the dad had actually gotten the deer himself and saved like the nicest wow. part for this yeah. stew for all of us. And hands down, it was probably the most delicious thing at the potluck. That's and awesome. so much love and intention. And like, you drunk that deer. Up. <laughs> Gosh, that is I some that. dedication. And that was just amazing. And it was delicious and so memorable. And I think about that all the time. If we could bring that level of just appreciation and gratitude and serving of others to it, I'm not saying go out there and get your deer or your boar or whatever, (laughs) bring it to the party. You do not have to do that. Just happened to be something that really struck me. And in that moment, I felt so cared for and so loved and appreciated just with that one gesture um, of generosity. And I just, I love that so much. 
Well, I'm dying to know, because I know there's so many recipes in your book. What are your favorite recipes or types of food that you love to lean into or make when you're hosting? Yeah. When I'm hosting, I really like to lean into kind of like the hearty, the really good, just like everyone loves it. Now I I can love some octopus and chimichurri. Like I can get out there and be a little crazy. Um, and so I like to stick to kind of the the homegrown stuff. So usually it has to do with crescent rolls or okay. puff pastry oh mm-hmm. are the things that I love. Um, in my cookbook, there are two puff pastry. I call them like hot pocket type things. Um, one is a barbecue and it has barbecue and red onion and cheese in it. It's to die for. And then there is a chicken pesto. And one of the best recipes on my, on my website, um, that gets the most traction is the, the, chicken, my chicken pesto, because it's just kind of one pot and it's 20 minutes. It's so easy. And so I took that and made it into kind of a hot pocket. And I love those people love them. Um, something else I'll take a lot of times is, uh, the, I mean, very popular sausage and cream cheese wrapped in a crescent roll. I feel like people eat those. I mean, and pop them and they are so easy. I mean, one little container of sausage and one container of cream cheese and two crescent roll things. And it's like, you could feed 20 people with that and they would mm-hmm. just eat that. So, you know, cheese yes. dip. I love making cheese dip. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, you know, that's a staple in Arkansas is good old cheese dip. <laughs> Sounds good. I'm in. I'd go for that. My, uh, crescent rolls wrapped in sausage. I'm going to up it now with cream cheese. In our house, we call those piggies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and no. we're like, oh, yeah, piggies are a crown pleaser for sure. And then I do a fruit salsa dip. A bean yeah. dip kind of thing, but with mm. fruit salsa to get all fancy schmancy on it. It's actually yeah. just delicious with the sweet and the heat and all that sort of stuff. Oh my mm. gosh. So are you going to come over here and are we going to host something? Cause I, I think that'd be amazing. You know what? I was looking at flights to Hawaii, you know, last week. So I'm headed there. So I'll stop, I'll stop by. <laughs> okay. I will clean off my table for you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, I, you have given us so much encouragement, but I just want to invite you to, to leave any final thoughts or tips or ideas you have for us, for those listening who feel like, okay, yeah, it's time. It's time to host. It's time to create something lovely for my loved ones and my friends. What, what encouragement would you leave us to, to really do that and get started? Yeah. You know, I I know that I said it earlier, but God did not intend for us to live life alone. Um, And I think that we can get into the busyness, the routine of life, and we can forget to incorporate our community or our tribe into that. And I know I just wrote a book about it, but I can even be guilty of not including my community or not Mm -hmm. following up with them, not reaching out to them when I need them the most. And that's why our people are there. Um, So I'd really encourage people don't, um, don't look at the perfection or the preparation as a hindrance, um, but look as the look at the people as the outcome and say, I I want to serve my people. I want to love my people. And food just being that natural conduit, it doesn't have to be fancy. It can be your Domino's pizza. It can be just something store-bought, um, but invite somebody over. Um, and if you don't have somebody to invite over, be praying about God creating that kind of divine opportunity for you to, for God to put somebody on your heart for you to invite them over. Mm -hmm. But the first step, clean off the table. If you can do anything after hearing this, just clean off the table. 
Oh, Abby, I hear you. Thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. I know my (laughs) listeners are going to want to connect with you more. Where can they find you? Um, I'm on every social media. So Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, a tabletop affair um, on all those platforms. And then my site is a tabletopaffair.com. If you want to go over there and sign up for the newsletter and uh, get some recipes sent straight to your inbox, but you can always find me on Sunday nights, Sunday supper club. It's so fun. We have a blast making all sorts of recipes and tipping over water glasses, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. One time I lit my pan on fire and I was like, do I put water in this? And people were like, no, don't put water. Because <laughs> it's, it's live. It's amazing. It's, uh, it's amazing. just, it's so fun. So we have a good time. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Abby, you are so awesome. I will be sure to link to all of those in today's show notes. This has been incredible. Thank you for giving us all these opportunities and these whys and helping us understand, you know, just our nature as humans and our purpose here on this earth and and the wonderful opportunity that is meals three plus times a day, you know, and how we can really show up for each other while we're making changes. And then also with our current busyness too, because you've just made it seem so doable. Abby, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Yeah. So fun to talk. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.